0: So you know sometimes when you uh study a passage like this in john's Gospel, uh, you kind of maybe forget why is this or why was this written? why was it given to us? One of the things for me that's really helpful is to remember that the Gospels were written they were as a they were a message they really were uh, written to open your eyes to see and believe in a way. They they come to you as a, not just a historical account, but with the, the idea that what you're trying to see is, uh, and really what you're left with, is what are you going to do with Jesus? How are you going to respond to Jesus? Will you receive and believe in Him? And some, <clears throat> if we're honest, uh, I think uh, one of the things that... Um, you know, for some people, they're looking for—I I don't know—they think about belief, but they don't think about the gospel uh, that much. They—they they may say, "Well, I believe in God," or "I need a sign from God," or "I need to to understand and believe," and I, but I want to—I want him to show me, you know, more or whatever. But what you're looking at today is this is the revelation from God about the Son of God who became man who died was buried, rose again on the third day, uh, and he, he appeared to these people that would witness to this reality. And so this really is, for us, what should inspire faith. Now, one other thing just to say is the resurrection really ensures three things, and you'll see this in the text. One, that your sins can be forgiven, or they are forgiven if you put your faith and trust in Christ Two, that you are going to be empowered by the Spirit. And three, that you'll have new life, both in this life and the one to come. And so again, this is written for some of you. You've gone to church maybe your whole life, maybe you haven't. Uh, Maybe you've um, yet to really take seriously the gospel, whatever it might be. This is written to inspire you to turn to Him. And so let's just start in John 20 verses 1 and 2. And I just want you to see, Mary goes really early, because you're going to be moving through this text very quickly, and he's going to have all these encounters, and you're, you're kind of thinking, like, how are they going to respond? In verse 1 and 2, Mary gets there, and when she arrives, the stone has been taken away. So Jesus had been <clears throat> laid in a tomb, and a stone had covered that, that tomb, and she gets there, and the stone has been taken away. And so her immediate response is she's going to go and run and speak to the other disciples and tell them what has taken place, which creates like a chain of reactions. You know, like the next thing is, is you see that Peter, as you're moving on in verse three, uh, Peter and John, John never mentions his own name in the gospel of John, but Peter and John take off to the tomb and they, they're going there, and they're, they're kind of looking at what's taking place. Evidently, John outruns Peter. He gets there. He looks in. Uh, he's not sure what to do. And Peter uh, catches up with him, and he barrels in. And what they find out is the clothing that Jesus had been wrapped in, it was laying there, but he was not there. And verse 8 says, Then the other disciple... John speaking of himself, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. He didn't yet understand, like, Jesus has been telling him, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be three days in the grave, and on the third day, I will rise again. He has been saying that, but the fullness of that has yet to come. But you're seeing, like, a response. How are people responding to him? And really, I mean, I think we have to constantly ask ourselves, where are we in light of this because this is he is coming down to the very end of the gospel i mean in this gospel this message this message that is calling you to align yourself with jesus and so that's what you see one of the things i mean another thing that just kind of when you're looking at this is when what you see here is that, and I hope you can see that, in the resurrection, it demonstrates that Jesus defeated death. Like when you're looking at this whole thing, he has defeated it. He has overcome the grave. When they're looking at that, they are seeing he is no longer there. They don't fully understand all of it, but that's what they are seeing. Now you continue forward, 11 through 18, you go back to Mary Magdalene. And as you see her, uh, we find out that she's brokenhearted. Remember, she went really early She saw that the stone was rolled away. She realizes he is not there, and so she's returning. Where else is she going to go? And so she finds out, uh, and in her mind, she doesn't really know what's taking place, but she at this point just thinks someone has taken his body, and so she is mourning over this situation. And so as you move forward, what you see is that Mary goes in and she sees two angels. They're sitting where the body of Jesus had been laid, one at his head and one at his feet. Look at verse 13. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've taken him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And so then Jesus speaks to her. And I, <clears throat> this is, I mean, John, again, you kind of remind yourself, these gospel writers, he has been writing or speaking and teaching about the gospel for probably 30 years at this point. And he goes out there and he's preaching all over. And uh, then they write these gospels and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he thinks about these amazing things that the Lord did right after his resurrection in unveiling himself to his people. And so in this particular one, I think it's really beautiful because uh, she doesn't really know it's Jesus that's there. And you just notice what he says. He says to her, after saying, why are you weeping? Uh, He ends up responding, verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And immediately, she... She says, oh, teacher, she knows. One of the things that kind of, and this is something for some of you, again, we can't, there's only so much we can do at this church. We can present the gospel to you. We can pray that you'd believe it. We can pray that you'd be transformed by it. But this particular text, when you're looking at this, this, Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice and they respond. There's something about, like, in the presenting of the gospel, even, if you are a Christian, at some point, you heard his voice. Like, not just that you prayed, or you were baptized, or whatever. I mean, you heard the gospel truth. You believed it for the first time. At some point, you truly believed it. And so, she hears his voice, as he's already said, as the true shepherd to the sheep. She hears his voice and responds. Um, look at verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go, <clears throat> but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God, or I'm ascending. Now what's going on here she immediately wants to grab him and likely has this desire to hold on to him as if he might leave like a she's frightened by it and so she's gripping gripping him and wanting to hold on to him and he says listen Mary I'm not leaving yet tell them that I am going to leave but I have not I'm yet to leave I'm not leaving at this point And so again, she understands, she believes, she trusts the Lord, and now it's really not a time for her to cling to him, but rather to go and announce the message. That's kind of what you see over and over and over again. So thinking about what's going on in this gospel, we start out, John thinks, okay, I'm going to show you early in the morning, Mary goes. She immediately realizes he's gone, goes to the disciples, the other two come. One of them responds in faith, you know, and then they go back home kind of thing. And then the third kind of wave here is Mary sees him and understands who he is and hears his voice. And like uh, the sheep do, she heard and she believed. She trusted in him. And he says, like, don't cling to me. Go and announce this message. That's kind of what happens. So you continue forward. Verse 18 or sorry, verse nineteen, he's going to appear to the other disciples. There's a phrase that you'll see in verse nineteen and in verse twenty-one: "Peace be with you." A lot of times, when there is an encounter, uh, that that's one of the things that you see over and over, where he'll speak peace over them, so they're not afraid. There's peace, but there's a lot more going on there with regard to um, they're in right standing and good standing. It's like saying, shalom to you. I've brought peace to you, blessing to you. And so you see that. He comes to them, he comes to them really through a door that is locked. So it's unique that his body is not kind of, he doesn't struggle in the way before where he'd have to go through a door in the normal way, but he is the actual Christ, the resurrected Christ, and we'll see that as you move forward. You'll look at verse twenty. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So not just a vision, but the actual Christ is there, the one who was crucified. There's a connection between the one who was crucified and the one who is resurrected. Uh, look at verse 22. i just kind of moving forward. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what is he doing? He is <clears throat> giving them life. It's like they're experiencing the new life, the new birth. The fullness of that is yet to come. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that, especially in Acts. But he's, he's saying, like, look what's come. It's the first fruits of the resurrection. The Spirit has come. The Spirit is working. The Spirit has come to you. Verse 23, which is another interesting kind of thing, and I think it's important to note this. Look at verse 23. Because some of you might be like, man, what's going on here? If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What's he saying? He's saying like, this message that I'm going to send you out with, that I'm going to like share with others, I'm going to send you throughout the nations, this message is life to those who receive it, and it, it's really like condemnation for those who don't. Like if you're here this morning and you say, I don't believe in the crucified, buried, rose again Christ. I would just say to you, like, then you have no hope with him. You have no place with him. You have no forgiveness of sins with him. Now, again, you're moving through this text and you're saying, look at these responses. Look at what's going on. Look what's taking place. Now, the next uh, uh, step here is Jesus and Thomas because Thomas is an interesting one. Look at verse 24.
1: So Thomas
0: wasn't with the rest of them when all this went down. And he's like, uh, unless I see his hands and his feet, I'm not going to believe. And Thomas is one of those people throughout the Bible. uh, he, He basically, that you'll see kind of different people respond in different ways. But he is for some, it is helpful because for some of us, you might say, man, I've struggled with unbelief or I've struggled in this way or that way. And Thomas is one of those who Jesus is going to be kind to him and compassionate to him and show him in a very visible way. He says, put your finger right here. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see the way in which the Lord is with him. Thomas responds, my Lord and my God. And so he, he goes from not believing to believing, to holding fast to the one who has come to rescue us from our sins. And so he sees that. Now, there's another point that John's going to make. Look at verse 29. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Just in your you know, one of the things for us, if you are here this morning, we have never seen the resurrected Christ. We've never seen his hands pierced or his feet pierced. We've never seen that. We did not see him. We we we've only heard about him. We didn't see it. And yet we have believed. We we were we are people who just have the testimony of of, of john who is speaking to us and saying look he's appeared he's shown himself to be the messiah he reveals himself look he was a physical resurrected messiah he was crucified buried rose again he is the living christ he is the hope for you blessed are you who have Yet to see, but believe. That's one of the most wonderful things in all of the book because he's going to remind us that there are going to be people that are coming after this initial group that are never they would have never seen, but they do believe. And again, that happens as a result of divine enablement. The Lord opens our hearts to see and believe. Now, Look at verse 30 and 31. So we're kind of coming down to this place where, uh, and I want you to see it with me. In verse 30 and 31, you're looking here. and Jesus, we see did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I want you to think with me just for a moment about belief. Belief in the scripture, and this is just, you know, when you think about it, biblical belief is not just intellectual. It is intellectual. You are thinking about it. We are explaining it. It is written down. You can study about it. It, it is that, like the, each one of the New Testament books are written in a way that can be understood. There's structure, there's order, all of those things. It is intellectual. I am explaining the faith once for all delivered to the saints, and we can explain it and make it clear. It is also, there's a, an emotional component. And I've been like sharing the gospel, you know, with multiple uh, young people in our church lately, just explaining things to them. And you could actually believe that Jesus came on this earth and that he died for sins. You could also be afraid of the judgment of God, of facing him one day in hell, all those kinds of things. You could be fearful of rejecting Christ. So you could have an intellectual faith and an emotional faith, something that kind of like, man, this kind of shocks me. I, you know, Makes me nervous. But the volitional point or your will is kind of the third level where you're saying, I want to commit my life to him. So I want you to think with me real quick. Most of you here today would say, I believe. But the deal is, is biblical saving faith in the Scripture is there's a belief that is intellectual, it is, um, you might say, emotional, or there, there's something of that sort, and then it's volitional. I am giving my life to Him. I am bowing before Him. I'm surrendering my life to Him, and that's what you're seeing in verse thirty and thirty-one. He is saying, "These are written." All Jesus did a lot of other things, but He's written these signs, these things as signs that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you might have life in his name. What's he saying? The eternal Son of God left heaven, came down to earth, took on the form of a servant, died on the cross, laid his life down, endured the wrath of God, was buried, and on the third day he was raised victorious over the grave so that you and I can experience eternal life. He is the Savior of the world. He is the hope for all who are here, all who will believe for all time. And whether you ever, like, if, if, for some of you here, this may be the first time that you understood that. He is your hope. He is the one that you put your trust in, your faith in, that you believe in, that you rest upon. Uh, but if you haven't, uh, we ask that you do that. We, we want you to turn to Jesus. We want you to know Him. We want you to experience eternal life in Him. We know that genuine saving faith does change your life and that if you are in Christ genuinely, uh, that you will seek to live for Him, love Him, treasure Him, put your hope in Him. And this free gift is offered to us. The resurrection is evidence that God accepted what Jesus did and we can rest in that today. So, when you think about the resurrection, you say, you know what? When we're looking at the risen Christ, it was given here to inspire you to believe. And also, just to to believe in Him, and you might say, and to trust in what? In the resurrection, we can say our guilt has been dealt with. Like, that's, Our guilt has been dealt with. God is satisfied with what Jesus did. The guilty verdict is no longer there. We are no longer uh, separated from God. We are pronounced in good standing with His court. Second, our bondage and and weakness that we once were like controlled by sin, He he has broken that so that we're no longer in bondage. And then third, when you're thinking about it for me, is that like... um, He has given us life. And so if you are in Christ, if you have by faith put your trust in Christ, you are resting in those promises and you're believing in him. And if you have yet to do so, we ask that you participate with us today, like believing in Christ, hoping in Christ, trusting in Christ, uh, living for Christ. We don't want you to be outside of relationship with Christ. He was Crucified, dead, buried, rose again, so that you and I might have life. And so we pray that that would be true for you today. So at this time every week, we take the Lord's Supper together. We are reminded of the the radical work that's been done on our behalf um, for us. If you're like not normally here, there's uh, and you put your faith in Christ. You've been baptized. You're walking with the Lord. These little. Uh, it's like a little wafer and uh, juice. It's on the very back back there uh, in outside if you just walk out those two doors. And so you're welcome to to go and grab one of those. Uh, we take the Lord's Supper as a reminder of what Christ has done for us. And so um, I'm going to read something from 1 Corinthians, and we'll go from there. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus,